Hi team, this is the Be Real With Us podcast by The Path to Goals on a mission to help you quit yo-yo dieting forever, eat foods you love, embrace the strength of lifting heavy ass weights and cultivate an undeniable level of confidence that inspires women around you to do the exact same. We are certified nutritionists and personal trainers who just wanna be real with you when it comes to nutrition, strength, and mindset. We specialize in behavior change, hormones, metabolism, sleep, stress, recovery, and mindset. If you are frustrated by all the conflicting information floating around on the internet, well, don't worry because we are here to call out the bullshit and help you stop overthinking and start doing. Billions of these humans, humans. spinning on a ball of confusion. confusion. Some kids I went to school with, school with. gave up on their dreams, they said, screw it. Screw I it. said, oh, I'm going to make some music. Even if they tell me it won't do shit, damn, I fucking knew it. I'm blowing up quick. I said, boom, bitch. I could give a Welcome, be real with us, listeners. It's Alyssa and Shantae, and we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Maddie Irby with us here today. Hi. She is welcome, welcome. <laughs> she yeah, is welcome. a PT with her doctorate in physical therapy and a master's in public health. And she's also a certified pelvic rehab practitioner. She's actually based in Sacramento. I lived in Sacramento for four years. So <laughs> is that how you guys know each other? No, yeah. just through I think Instagram, was, right? Well, you used to teach Pilates. Yes. P2O. And I think P2O. that's where we connected. And I took a couple of her classes way back when. Yeah. And then oh, cool. Okay. Instagram, and then and then she left. And I think I left. Okay. I couldn't <laughs> remember if it was Instagram or somewhere else. I was like, okay, I, I thought we were just Instagram friends. <laughs> I couldn't remember how exactly we met each other originally. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Alyssa's very much of a people person. And when I saw that you're from Sacramento, I'm like, oh, they probably have yeah. met in person somehow up there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Just so you guys know, I figured I'd start with your handle and your email, um, and then we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So you can actually find her at Dr. Dr.Maddie.pt. And then www.maddieirbypelvicfloorpt.com. Um, but yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit? Of, because I know you have a, a family, right? You have a daughter, yes, a dog, I a husband. Do. Yeah. <laughs> a two-year-old, um, Layla. She was born in October of 2021. So definite pandemic baby. Um, and Aww. I live with my husband in Sacramento with our dog, who is a rescue four-year-old. And I work for a large medical group here in Sacramento. I've been a physical therapist for a little over eight years now and exclusively with pelvic floor physical therapy for about five years. And it's just been so fun. And I think going through pregnancy and postpartum really gives you a different perspective on pelvic floor physical therapy and working with the pregnancy and postpartum clientele. Yeah. What inspired you to get in the field? Was it your own experience or was there something else that interested, like sparked your interest before pursuing it? Yeah. I mean, I've always been really passionate about women's health. I think that comes from my grandma. She's just been really into supporting women with receiving healthcare. And, you know, in PT school, we got like one day on women's health. It was like of our whole three-year doctorate program it was like, here's one day on 
women's health. And that's it. And <laughs> that's all you need to know. All you need to know. <laughs> Even though women's bodies are like the most complicated system. <laughs> I mean, compared to men, obviously, right. like we're just, you know, we just have a lot more things to we, deal with. <laughs> and we make up 50% of the population, but you know, one yeah. is all we need. And it <laughs> my interest, but I realized it was like, wow, that's going to be like so much more continuing education that I was going to need to go down. And, you know, when you're just graduating PT school, you're like, oh, I don't know really what I want to do. So I kind of dabbled and I've worked with all the different patient populations. And at some point it was like, you know, nothing's really calling to me, like giving me that motivation. And we actually have a family friend who is a pelvic floor physical therapist and my mom was like, just reach out to her and see what she has to say. And so I did. And she said, look, just go take a level one course. If you hate it, that's fine. And if you love it, then you kind of know where you're going to go. And so I took it and I never looked back. Oh. And so I'm so thankful. And that was before having Layla. And it definitely helped with that whole rehab journey, postpartum journey after her. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, mm -hmm. actually, if your education helped na helped you navigate that postpartum and pregnancy and all of that. How, how would you say that it improved your, your postpartum recovery? Yeah, I think just kind of having those expectations of like, you know, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot those first few weeks. Um, and knowing where I kind of needed to start and focus, if that was my deep core, if that was my breathing, if that was my posture. So I felt like my recovery physically from a musculoskeletal standpoint went very smoothly after having her. I had a relatively easy delivery, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, let's find easy delivery. Right. <laughs> it's hard to define that, right? <laughs> it wasn't traumatic. We all made it through. We're all healthy. I just had a like yeah. minimal tear. And so to be able to recover from that, I think I did pretty mm -hmm. well knowing that background. But again, as an athlete, I think it's so challenging those first few weeks, if not like that first month where you're just like, okay, when can I get back? When can I start doing this? Mm -hmm. And so even with that knowledge basis, it was still this constant reminder of like, no, you need to take it slow. You need to be patient with yourself. You need to show yourself grace because you can't just like jump back in to mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. Can you tell us about your athletic background? Cause you, I know you do yoga, weight train, you hike, you're very avid, but do you, anything you want to share? Yeah. So I enjoy weight training. I do a strength training program four days a week. Um, and so that usually consists of like a couple full body days, an upper body and a lower body. With time, I only have about a half hour <laughs> to do it. So it's nothing too crazy. Um, but I just do that on my lunch at work. And then I'm really big on mobility. So usually in the morning I wake up, I do a 10 minute meditation, and then I do a 10 minute mobility program to just kind of get my body warmed up and ready to go. And then on the weekends, um, we enjoy walking. So we'll usually go for a walk about three days a week. I work 10, so it's a little hard <laughs> to go for walks um, in the evening, but we'll usually go for walks on, on the weekend. And we do enjoy hiking. We go camping. Um, my husband's also really into exercise. So our daughter's 
kind of always in our, we have a shred shed in the backyard. <laughs> and so she's Love always it. in there just kind of watching whatever we're doing. <laughs> Love it. Shred, so shred, shed. shred. Oh my God, that's a tongue. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Is that like a gym in the background? It's our gym. Background? Yeah. We have like Okay. a really small house, but we've got a pretty good sized backyard. So we built a shed in the backyard and it's got all our gym equipment. So it's the shred so shed. So cool. <laughs> okay. Ponte, you need a name for your gym. I know. <laughs> I know. I Now that you have a name, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. We need, need, to, we need to come up with a name for your, <laughs> your gym. <Yeah. laughs> I love it. I love it. Super cool. Yeah. So, I mean, Athletes are are really known for pushing their limits. Like you just mentioned, like you were hungry to get back. Shantae, it was like <laughs> counting down the minutes until she could get Isaiah out and like start training. Yeah. And so from an athlete- Well, I'm, I'm, I'm only one week postpartum, yeah. so I know I can't train anytime <laughs> she knows, soon. She knows. Um, but, I, yeah, but I'm itching. I'm like itching to get back. I'll like go in my gym and like look around. And, I'm like, <laughs> yes. and like, then I go back just, to my house. a bicep curl. That's it. That's it. Yeah. There's one little bicep curl. So, yeah, so it's, it's definitely challenging, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely understand that there needs to be a slow recovery process because even though like mindset wise, you might be ready to get back in the swing of things, your body, even though it could feel good in some parts, we all know like in there, it's still recovering and needs some time. So sorry, Alyssa, I didn't mean to. Oh yeah, no, I was going to just ask like, how how would you or what, what recommendations or what would you say to help athletes um, shift their mindset from like trying to push through postpartum recovery and prioritizing like healing and rebuilding like a strong foundation? And what does that look like? And a second question to add on to that is like it's such a blanket term, the six weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of want to go into the six week recommendation, it's six to eight, mm-hmm. I think it is for most from most doctors. Like what yeah. would you say to our athlete listeners? Yeah, I would say first off, it really starts in pregnancy, right? So as athletes, we all know, right, we're highly motivated, we're super driven, we're really competitive, we don't really want to adapt, right? We just want to hit our PRs. And so in pregnancy, it's already (laughs) starting to like adjust that, right? Like this is not the time to hit our PRs. This is the time to just start preparing for maintaining your function throughout pregnancy and prepping for your delivery and whatever that looks like, right? If it's a vaginal delivery or a cesarean. And so it's talking to them at the beginning, right? And then when we get closer, I always tell them like, you have to think of this time as a season, right? We need that Mm -hmm. long game mentality. You had a little bit of that with pregnancy and delivery, right? You spent your nine months preparing for your due date. Let's continue that long game mentality with postpartum. And you're just like you said, Shantae, your brain is going to be ready before your body is ready. And so really driving that in, this is a time to start to shift your mindset from just being an athlete to being a more mature athlete who is willing to make exceptions and knows when to pause and knows when to push and that they're willing to sit and do the early rehab and not just blow past back into exactly what they were doing pre-pregnancy at that six-week mark. And so it's important to really establish that early 
in pregnancy so that those expectations are really clear when postpartum comes around. And I just have a few notes here. That's why I kind of look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like in general, right, the we have so many influences when it comes to postpartum. And so I like to talk it through with all of my patients, right? You have the medical influence and we have healthcare providers who are saying that all, all clear six weeks, right? And you have to remember that your OB and your midwife, right? They are experts in your reproductive organs. They know everything there is to know about your reproductive organs, but they are not specialists in your musculoskeletal system. They literally have no idea. They know there's a pelvic floor. They know there's a core. They don't understand what changes that occur during pregnancy and delivery. And so you've got medical providers, you have social media, right? Like we're on social media and we're just kind of looking for that person that we can relate to, right? Like here's this other mom who just had a baby and they're doing these things, but that may not work for us, right? And so they're influencing us in that way. Their pregnancy was different. Their body was different. Their delivery was different. Their postpartum support was different. And so we can't always look at that. And then you've got the gym, like you mentioned, maybe I'll just go to the gym and do some bicep curls, but that could be where you start to have some comparison where you're like, okay, my expectation is that I should be able to do A, B, C, D, but in reality, maybe you can only do A, right? And so we're at the gym and we're starting to compare ourselves to other people that are there. And then finally, we have this influence of like kind of that bounce back culture, of like, look, I'm two months postpartum and I look like this, or I'm six months postpartum and I look like this. And all of those things can really have an effect on those athletes, those postpartum athletes. And unfortunately, there just isn't good information that's readily available to postpartum moms, right? You're kind of like, you have a baby at the hospital, they hand you your baby and they're like, bye, Mm -hmm. like, I'll see you in six weeks if you're lucky, right? Like maybe it's more like eight weeks before you check back in. And so Mm -hmm. it can be so challenging. So you just get home and you're like, I don't know, how am I supposed to rehab my body? I'm supposed to just lay here and rest until I see my doctor at hopefully six weeks. But I know a lot of the healthcare providers are really impacted. So it might take longer before you can even get in to see them. And so you're like, I'm just like, yeah, right? Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say like, well, for me, I was a, I have a pandemic baby too. Mm -hmm. And so literally my six week checkup was a phone call, I want to say, or a Skype. And she was like, okay, you're six weeks, you're cleared. And my other friends, yeah, my other friends were, I was like, did you, did they like check you? Like, how does she know I'm clear? My friend said, oh yeah, my doctor checked me and said I was good. I'm not sure in what capacity, like how that looked, but literally she was like, okay, you're good to go. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Literally, see anyone, you see no one. Your baby sees more healthcare providers than you do. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There's really not And I kind of also feel like just, doctors especially like during your pregnancy too they'll just they kind of just like recite scripts just because it's like part of protocol and they're not really evaluating the individual the whole person i mean um i know for my doctor my ob she immediately said don't lift anything more than 40 pounds but without knowing anything about my athletic history my exercise routine, my lifestyle. Um, but I could just kind of tell, like she was just like looking at her computer and like checking 
checking off the boxes of the things that she needed to tell me. Did she say 40 or 20? Something like that. I, even, like, I wasn't even, okay. yeah, 25 to 40 pounds or something like that. Like, um, and I just like nodded my head and <laughs> smiled. And uh, so I kind of feel like it, it's the same as well. It's like, okay, you hit your six week mark. You must be fine. Go ahead and exercise right. as well, because it's just part of the check boxes at that time. Exactly. But that six week clearance, just so you know, it's literally them saying, well, it's been six weeks since you had your baby. So your uterus is probably back to the size it's supposed to be. Your low key has stopped. So yeah, that's it. That's all they can tell you, right? Like they don't understand or they, I, I'm sure they understand, but they don't have that knowledge base to go, okay, over the last nine months, you had major musculoskeletal changes, right? Um, with your posture changing, with muscles lengthening, with muscles getting tight, you've got um, the cardiovascular system, you've got your hormones, like all of those play a part and they don't just go back to normal at six weeks, right? Like that's not how this works. And so I also try to explain to patient, and this is really like comparing apples to oranges. It's really hard (laughs) to compare because there is literally nothing like pregnancy and delivery. But if you think about like an ACL repair, right? So you've got a young female who likes to do soccer. Maybe she's 30 and she does soccer as like a rec thing and she tears her ACL. Most likely she didn't have these big musculoskeletal changes that led up to it. I mean, there's possibility, right? That that occurred and that's what led to the tear. But in general, she had an immediate injury. She had surgery. She's put in a brace that's locked out and she gets to rest and recover. She knows that in order to get back to soccer, it's going to be a 12-month recovery, and that initially you're going to be doing these really boring rehab exercises, right? Your quad sets and your heel sides. But that doesn't mean that you're doing that forever. You're just doing that initially. And so that's where I'm trying to explain to my postpartum or my pregnant patients that, look, like initially those first six weeks, we are doing our basic foundational Mm -hmm exercises just to get things back up and running. And yes, your recovery is more like an 18 to 24 month recovery, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be doing these simple basic Mm. exercises for the, for the next 12, 18 months. You're just laying that foundation so that you can start to get back into the gym. And so that you're not setting yourself up for injury or pelvic floor dysfunction, like leakage or prolapse. So we want to get all of those basic, simple, not very exciting exercises done. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so yeah. You can be very successful when you get back into the gym and start doing things. That makes so much sense. And that actually reminds me on how we teach our clients from a behavioral mm-hmm. perspective on how to set up their nutrition, right? Because a lot of people, they just want to go straight into macros and straight into a weight cut and straight into all of these exciting goals without having the foundation laid in, in place with planning and time management and um, you know meal prepping and all of those things. And so we really have to educate and hold them back Mm -hmm. and let them know like, hey, we have to work on these skills first. So that way, when you do advance, you are setting yourself up for success. So it sounds like from a physiological perspective, it works the exact same way. Like you can't get ahead of yourself because at the end of the day, you're going to be 
recovering longer if you start before your body is actually ready. And so if you just waited and laid that foundation first and worked on those boring exercises, Mm -hmm. then you would actually return back to normal training faster in the long run. Totally. Yeah. 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 What what are some of those boring exercises? Like, what does that look like? And I guess, is there like, are there some key milestones like an athlete or a bodybuilder should achieve or look for before returning to their regular training program? Yeah. So let's, let's start with, you just had a baby, right? So you're day one, right? So again, that was me last week. (laughs) week, (laughs) Bye. Good luck. Um, and yeah. so I talked to all my people, I'm like, those first two weeks, we're resting, right? And I know that the rice principle is a little controversial, the rest, ice, compress, elevate when it comes to injuries, but because mm. of the ice, I don't know. Some people are saying yeah. we shouldn't be using ice, we should be using heat. But anyways, mm-hmm. I still like that <laughs> concept. And, you know, when we come home, whether you had a vaginal delivery or a cesarean, you should be resting, <clears throat> excuse me, your... I don't know about you, um, Shantae or Alyssa, but like that first week, I was like, where are my abs? Like, I don't even know where they are. I can't get them on. I can't get out of bed well. Like, I can't pick up my baby well. Like, either there, I can feel them, but I can't actually like feel them fire. And so Mm. that's just through the shock of kind of like you lost that support because that baby's out now. And now your muscles are just kind of these loose lengthened. Yeah, no, it it is true. Like, um, looking down and in, in the first couple of days, I was like, whoa, my midsection's like, well, cause I was so used to it before, obviously I was super athletic and fit. And then during pregnancy, your stomach is just really hard. And then afterwards it's just like this, like jello wave of jello. <laughs> yeah. It felt so weird, but honestly, for me, I wasn't even thinking about my abs because I was in so much pain down there. <laughs> I just wanted to go to the bathroom comfortably. Uh, so yeah, I'm so much better now, though. I could actually sit down and get up by myself mm-hmm. without it being an agonizing pain. So that's all I really wanted for the first, like, couple days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. It was definitely a strange feeling, like, feeling my stomach. And I'm like, where is everything? Is it still there? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're resting, right? We're just taking care of baby. We don't want to do too much because if we do too much, that can increase our swelling, right? We're already swollen after we have a baby. And so that increased swelling is going to reduce the muscle's ability to fire because they're kind of, there's too much fluid. And so they're not going to fire as well. So that can also hinder your recovery if you have too much swelling. So we want to rest. We can ice, right? Because if we have pain or we can use heat, whatever feels good. If you have a cesarean, you can put it there. You can put it on your perineum. And then compression. I talk to all of my pregnant patients. I'm like, you must be using compression. And that's going to be at your abdominal wall, at your perineum. And you're going to use it for about six to eight weeks after you deliver. Because again, after you deliver, your muscles feel like jello. They're a little loosey-goosey. And so they're insufficient. They can't fire well. So again, if we're trying to improve our ability for our muscles to recover, we want to compress them so they can overlap. Those sarcomeres can be nice and close together so that when you ask them to fire, they can support you better. And so there's all sorts of different compression garments out there, but I just mm. tell people wear it for day one till like six, eight weeks, 
during the day when you're up and at it, you don't need to wear it at night. You'll start to notice that you don't wear it as often. You're not like throwing it on, but maybe if you want to go for a longer walk, you need that little extra support. Because again, we want to avoid having increased pain, sensations of pressure or heaviness or leakage, or we don't want that lochia to increase. Those are all signs that we've mm-hmm. done too much. And so that compression can really help yeah. support it so that you can do all those things. And oh, then the do you have a recommendation? Yeah, wait, we're like, wait. Yeah, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What's the I'm like, brand? I'm going to go on Amazon right now. <laughs> so many. Um, I would say like for early, early, like day one, the Mama Strut is a really nice brand because it's kind of an all-in-one. It's a compression short with an abdominal binder. It comes with ice packs already. It fits over the super cute mesh underwear that you get to wear. Um, and Ooh. so, and insurance, they do take insurance. So that's a really oh, nice okay. one. Other brands that are out there, SRC Health, that is an Australian-based company. They've actually done like randomized controlled trials on their recovery short and shows that it does improve recovery of the muscles postpartum and gets them firing faster. And you can get them as a short, you can get them as a legging. So those are a nice brand. And then the last one is Bao Bay. And that was actually started by a pelvic floor PT. And they have more like underwear. So again, it's like compression at the perineum and at the abdominal wall. They also do have some shorts that you can get too, but any of those brands are really wonderful and you can wear them cool. for those six to eight weeks. Yeah. Wow. That's so helpful. Love it. And it, would you yeah. say, could women start walking a few days after like birth? Yeah. It depends, yeah. right? It always depends. It, it depends on the person. Okay. Um, some people they're like, I get all ready to go. And then I step out the door and I'm like, okay. I'm good. I went for my walk, right? And that's fine, right? You got prepared, you got mentally prepared, and maybe the next day you go to the mailbox. Um, But I would say you're always going to start really slow. Maybe we're not wearing baby. Maybe we're not pushing the stroller. Maybe our partner's doing that. And that way you can really tune into your body and go, well, how does it feel? How is it responding? How is my posture, right? Like posture is a big one. Um, Am I able to maintain my posture on this walk? Can I only go to the end of the street and back? Can I do that two times a day? Great. Like you're just going to kind of slowly start to go a little further and a little further. And then maybe at some point you can start adding, like Mm. wearing your baby or pushing the stroller. But yeah, you can definitely get started walking if you're ready, if you feel mentally Mm. ready. Um, you can get started in that first week. What's up, Be Real with us listeners? We want to take a minute to talk to you about our Elite 360 Transformation Program with you. Our one-on-one programming focuses on three main pillars to help you achieve athletic results. Number one, optimal nutrition. Building an impressive physique requires you to fuel your body by consistently consuming the right portions of macronutrients, your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, and hydration to meet each individual needs for optimal performance, recovery, and sustained vitality. Two, strength training. Did you know women lose 1% of muscle mass per year after 30? This decline significantly raises the risk of chronic health issues as we age. So if we're not proactively building and maintaining muscle, we're losing it. 
We teach our clients how to properly build muscle and strength through our strength training program so they become more resilient and confident during all stages of their life. And number three, the most important part, behavior change. A true athlete recognizes the key to mastering their craft lies in seeking guidance and feedback from a trusted coach. They inherently grasp the importance of continuous learning and maintain a growth mindset throughout every step of their journey. Our team specializes in behavior science where we implement evidence-based techniques to help you cultivate the lifestyle habits and mindset of a true athlete. So if you're interested in learning how to become an athlete of your own life. Click the application link in the show notes to apply and we can't wait to hear from you. Yeah. How did it feel for you, Shantae, when you did it? It felt great. It was so funny because two days after delivery, Kevin's like, if you feel better tomorrow, maybe we can go on a walk. And I'm like, no, (laughs) definitely not. I will not feel better tomorrow. I can tell you that right now. But like two or three days after that, then I felt good to just walk around one block. Yeah. Uh, And so we started with that and he, he, well, actually, no, I, I did push the stroller for a little bit, but yeah, after that I could start to feel a little soreness down there. So we had to stop and then come back. And then the next day after that, I actually felt even better. And then my parents came and we went on a longer walk. And so I can feel my body progressively getting better, um, each day. And this morning today is actually the best that I've felt all week. Uh, and, uh, I felt, I felt rested today and I even uh, strapped the baby on me and we walked on the treadmill together and we're probably going to go on another walk later. Uh, and so I feel a lot less soreness on my hips and, uh, vagina and everything down there. And I feel a lot more energized. So I'm trying to just listen, like, like you guys said, listen to how my body feels. And then with that, I'll do more if I can. And then if not, then I'll just pull back a little bit. So it's been going good so far. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, yeah. it's just slow. Progression. Yeah. You just reintroduce. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so obviously each uh, sport demands unique type of movements, right? And so we have a lot of women who lift, obviously, but we also have some clients who are also marathon runners. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say, how do you tailor pelvic floor recovery recommendations for that type of sport or athletic activity? Yeah. So again, if it's early, like before the six week mark, it looks very similar, right? We're trying to okay. just get our abs back on our core back on. We're trying to get some mobility back because as you notice, you probably feel tight in some areas that um, or they're not moving as well, maybe like in your back or your shoulders or your neck um, compared to maybe during pregnancy or pre-pregnancy. And so I actually mm-hmm. tell people like the number one exercise that you can do in the first two weeks after you deliver is actually breathing, <laughs> which again, nice, boring mm-hmm. exercises, but yeah. <laughs> it's so important. There are so many benefits to doing diaphragmatic breathing. So the first benefit is that it's really going to help you with regulating your nervous system. So again, you just had a baby, you go home and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. This baby doesn't know what they're doing. No one knows what we're doing. It's a huge life change. <laughs> let's, let's try to breathe and calm our nervous system. But then the big one with the core is that that diaphragmatic breathing actually helps us to improve the ability to re-coordinate the core. When you inhale, 
right? Your abdominal wall lengthens, your pelvic floor moves away. And as you exhale, those muscles contract. And so we want to start re-coordinating our deep core. They're synergistic muscles. They work together. If you fire your pelvic floor, your transverse abdominus is also going to fire and vice versa. And so by doing diaphragmatic breathing, you can start to get those back on together. The other thing with breathing, and you probably remember this, Shantae, in that third trimester, you probably were really short of breath, right? Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. just like walking maybe like from the kitchen to the bathroom. You're like, oh my gosh, like why am I- Oh yeah, even just tying my shoes. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'd be like, like sweating. Right, it's a workout. And yes, there's hormonal yeah. impact to that change in your respiratory system, but you also just don't have room, right? You've got your diaphragm yeah. that is stretched out, your ribs are flared. And so we want to start getting better breath mechanics because maybe we're just breathing into our shoulders and our chest and we really need that 360 breathing because again, if you're front loading your body with your breath, that can lead to urinary incontinence, that can lead to prolapse when you go to return to your activity. So we want to start to get that 360 breathing going. And then the other benefits are You've got your um, lymphatic system, right? So if you're swollen, which a lot of us are, especially in that first week, um, your lymph system is what really helps to move that edema out of your body. And the main trunk of your lymph system travels through the diaphragm. And so by doing diaphragmatic breathing, you're going to stimulate your lymph system, which is going to help get that swelling out, which is going to help your muscles fire better. So again, lots of benefits to so just laying there and breathing and breathing in different positions, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you're on your back, your side, you're sitting in all fours. Doesn't matter. That rib cage has to move in 360 degrees so that it can better manage pressures in your abdomen and your core can fire a lot better when you start to go to lifting or running, mm -hmm. which are all slightly different. But that would be the best thing that you can do in those first couple of weeks. And then after that, maybe we start looking at, again, simple exercises, right? The most unsatisfying ab exercises ever, because a lot of times we become, um, we start to compensate with our obliques, right? Because our transverse abdominus isn't working well for us and our ribs are flared. And because of that posture, we're going to start overutilizing our internal obliques. Internal obliques mm. are not stabilizers of the trunk, right? They're movers. We do need them because we don't just move in one plane of motion. We're rotating and we're side bending, but we need our transverse abdominus to come on for us. So we're going to do the simple supine transverse abdominus bracing where we're just trying to get that deep core on without our obliques coming on. And then mm -hmm. also maybe we're doing some cat cows and some like sideline book stretches to just work on some thoracic rotation, try to open up our pecs. Cause if we're feeding baby, we end up really <laughs> rounded. Yeah, we're all stuck here. And mm -hmm. so to try mm -hmm. to open us back up so that we're not here again, when we're trying to do our overhead lifts and any of that when we return. So I would say it's all very similar. And then once you get to that six week mark, maybe that's when we start adding in some more um, specific training to the routine that they wanna get back to, right? And with running, with high impact activities, mm -hmm. that's gonna, that might take a little longer just because 
not only do you have to have good strength and mobility in your body, but you also need to absorb that ground reaction force whenever Mm -hmm. your foot hits the ground. So I usually recommend trying to wait until about the 12 week mark before you start getting back into those high impact activities like jumping and running just Mm -hmm. to allow your body to fully recover. When you're at the six week mark, the abdominal wall and the pelvic floor are only at 50% contractility. So the ability for those muscles to fire and contract is 50%. So you're nowhere near 100% at the six week Mm. mark. Wow. That's super interesting. I know that. So can you give an example? You, you were going over the breath work because we have a lot of people listening, not watching us. How would you describe, is it through the nose, out through the mouth? Um, can you try to walk us through that? Yeah, I would say like an easy, the easiest position to do this in is laying down on your back because it's actually a gravity assisted position. You don't have to resist the weight of your organs or any of that. So you're going to lay down on your back in a comfortable position, you're gonna inhale, it can be through the nose, I do recommend the nose, but you can do the mouth too. And then your exhale, it's gonna be more like you're blowing out your birthday candles or you're fogging your mirror. And I find that those are the best ways to activate the transverse abdominis without bringing on the internal oblique. And it should feel almost like a, a sensation right below your belly button. Again, it's not this big abdominal contraction where you're like, whoa, look at my abs go. It's more just like, huh, I think I feel something there. And you may even feel a little bit at your pelvic floor when you're doing it. Um, Because again, they're synergistic. They're going to work together. And that's a great place to start. And then you can progress it by adding in arm movement and leg movement. And it starts Mm -hmm. to resemble like a dead bug. Or you can mm-hmm. flip it and get mm-hmm. on hands and knees and start moving an arm or a leg and it starts to resemble a bird dog, right? So there's ways mm-hmm. that you can start really modified and really simple and make sure that you're getting those muscles on. And then by adding arm movement or leg movement, you're going to start to challenge that system. And again, mm-hmm. how you know that you're not cheating when you add an arm or a leg, the pelvis shouldn't move. You shouldn't feel like if you're laying on your back, you shouldn't feel that pelvis kind of rotating on you. And if it rotates, if it's moving and you feel like one side's digging down into the ground, then you're probably using your obliques to stabilize. And so scaling it back to the level that you can do and maintain all while keeping like your hip bones facing up towards the ceiling, or if you're in like an all four position, they should be square to the ground beneath you and your hips mm-hmm. shouldn't moving all over the place when you're doing those exercises. Yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I did some of those on my own po- with Camila and that really did help a lot. Um, I didn't have a PT help me with it, but, um, laying the groundwork I think really did help because after having her, I didn't have any issues that I know of, but can you walk us through how you can check for, yeah. uh, ab separation? Oh yeah. So just so you know, the a diastasis rectus, right, and abdominal mm-hmm. separation, it's pretty normal to have during pregnancy. In fact, some research say that 100% of women will have a diastasis rectus pregnancy. It really is an adaptation, right? Like we need our abdominal wall to be able to stretch and expand when we're pregnant. And then after you deliver, 
I would say it's usually like things start to go back to to normal, right? Where there isn't a separation or it's within normal limit separation at about the 12 week mark. But there are some women, so the research says about 40% of women after three months will still have a diastasis rectus. And so we don't want that. Oh, we wow. want to make sure that you're getting that address. And so if you're working with a, a pelvic floor therapist, they'll definitely be working on that with you throughout. So how you can check is obviously if you notice, like if you do a crunch to get out of bed and you see like a dome or a cone, that's an obvious sign that you've got that diastasis rectus. But if you're not quite sure, you can always lay on your back with your knees bent and then you'll just kind of sink your fingers in right around your belly button and you'll do a little head lift. And then you're going to feel kind of what's the distance between the two muscles. So your fingers will sink in and you'll be able to feel kind of how big is that distance. And then the big question is how deep is that separation? What we found recently with the research, because the diastasis rectus is a hot topic in the last five years, there's been a lot more research on it, is that the width doesn't matter. It is the depth. We want it to be as shallow as possible because that means you're able to draw tension through your abdominal wall, which is what we want, right? You need to be able to support that abdominal wall when you're doing your exercises. And so if it's shallow, that means that you can activate those muscles well and you should be able to do all the things that you need to do without symptoms. Wow, I did not know that. That sounds interesting. So for somebody, let's just say, who has a deeper separation, um, how long would you say that recovery process is? It can, <laughs> again, it can vary, right? So we're, in terms of full recovery with pregnancy and delivery, I tell all of my patients, right, we're looking at about that 18 to 24 month recovery for a full oh, right. recovery, okay. like pre-pregnancy status, like exactly what you were doing before you got pregnant, you should be able to do that mm -hmm. at the 18 to 24 month mark. And so when it comes to diastasis rectus, it could be 12 months, it could be the 18 months. And again, it could still always be there. If you're at rest, you can feel it, but it's, it matters what happens when you go to do something, right? When you go to lift the heavy, right. when you go to lift your kiddo, are you able to draw tension? And so again, it may not close up, but at the six month mark, maybe you're fine, right? Like you're able to do mm -hmm. those things. So again, it, it, it varies, but we're not always looking for the change in the, in the width of the diastasis. Yeah. Would you say that it, I would assume so, but I'm going to ask anyways, would you say that it would probably be beneficial for women who don't have kids, who plan on having kids to start doing these exercises before pregnancy? I can only imagine that um, doing the breathing and um, um, all the, you know, the exercises that we've been talking about, incorporating that maybe into their exor normal exercise routine could set them up for maybe having a stronger pregnancy and a better recovery postpartum. I think that if like if you're planning to get pregnant in this next year, I think finding coaches like yourselves, like the Pactigals that really mm -hmm. focus on the whole body, right? When it comes to nutrition and sleep and mental health and all of those things, that's really what you can do best to optimize your pregnancy, like to when you're ready mm -hmm. to get pregnant. You want to be as strong as mm -hmm. possible. You want to be as flexible as possible. You want that endurance. 
you need a good sleep, you need good stress management, you need your hormones in balance. And so I don't think you necessarily need physical therapy to do those things. I think there's amazing coaches out right. there like yourself to do that. When you become pregnant, it's always great to add into your team, right? You can have a pelvic floor therapist mm-hmm. as part of your team. You can have your coach who's going to kind of help you with modifying your exercises and your nutrition throughout your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then you have your pelvic floor therapist that's going to help you with tweaking things when things come up. Because we all know that during pregnancy, this week, maybe I have back pain. And this Mm -hmm. week, maybe I have round ligament pain. So there's going to be the kind of these ebbs and flows throughout pregnancy with your orthopedic issues. And so your pelvic floor therapist can really help you with kind of managing that and getting looking at your mobility to make sure that those issues aren't going to be limiting you so that you can continue to do what you need to do throughout your pregnancy and prepare for delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the educational aspect to it, because before I got pregnant, I mean, I wasn't really educated on pelvic floor or anything like that, but obviously during pregnancy, a lot of things changed and I could Uh, as I grew, I could feel the pressure on my pelvic floor and um, extreme back pain, tight hips. And these all came at different times. Thank God. (laughs) Um, It wasn't happening all at once. It was more so back pain started and then it kind of went to a really sore pelvic floor. So I had to modify a lot of my exercises, a lot of my lifting uh, movements. And then toward the end, my hips were really sore. And so that's when I kind of had to make a decision. Okay, I need to stop lifting. I I stopped lifting the uh, last two weeks before I delivered because even just walking just Mm -hmm. felt so tedious and sore down there. Uh, And so during the time that I noticed my pelvic floor was, you know, it felt tense. Um, I started to do a little research and I um, invested in not coaching, but like courses on um, athletic trainers who specialize in pregnancy and postpartum. And they were talking about how to modify certain lifts like squats and deadlifts um, to make the pelvic floor a little bit more comfortable and um, to help the recovery process. And so I didn't know any of that stuff before I got pregnant, but I do feel like my 10 plus years of lifting experience has helped the process a little bit better. Um, so it would definitely be helpful if we got some sort of information at the doctors to kind of just let us know what to expect, because I didn't get any of that information. I would hear things, you know, from the internet, but I would, I didn't really understand like how that would apply to me until I actually went through the experience. So I could definitely see how having a pelvic floor therapist would be beneficial during pregnancy. So you could feel educated on what you're actually feeling during, uh, during your pregnancy. Yeah. I do recommend if you are pregnant, if you're asymptomatic and you're you should work with a pelvic floor therapist and that should be scheduled kind of like how your OB appointments are scheduled. You can start with a pelvic floor therapist as early as the beginning of your second trimester. So 12, 13 weeks. And then you're just going to schedule the same as OB. So in that second trimester, you're kind of like once a month with OB. So as long as you're asymptomatic, you can work with your pelvic floor therapist like that. And then as it gets closer to your due date, then your appointments with OB increase. And so same thing with your pelvic floor therapist, Mm. that's going to increase and kind of help you with birth prep, labor and delivery, any other musculoskeletal issues that come up. Because 
it's not normal to have orthopedic pain during pregnancy. Yes, there's discomforts. Yes, we feel sore, but it shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I have excruciating back pain. Like that's not normal. And you know that a lot of healthcare providers are going to tell you, well, you're pregnant. It'll get better when you deliver. And we know now like mm. that's not the case. Like go see a pelvic floor therapist and they can help you with those orthopedic issues so that again, you don't feel like you have to totally limit yourself. There's going to be modifications no matter what because you're pregnant, but you should mm -hmm. still be able to do as much activity as you can tolerate up to your delivery. Obviously, if you're mm -hmm. symptomatic, go, just go see a pelvic floor therapist mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll decide on your frequency and duration. But I think everyone can. I mean, the benefit of a pelvic floor therapist, we have so much time with our patients and OB unfortunately does not, mm -hmm. right? They got like 15 minutes with you. And if you don't bring it up, they're not going to ask you. And mm -hmm. first with your pelvic floor therapist, they can really sit down and get to the root cause of the issue that you're having and they can work on treating you and really getting you back to doing what you need to be doing. So I have a personal question. So yeah. when, oh, what week was this? It, was it, was, it had been toward the end of my first trimester. Um, I note, I was like, I had a cough. It was, so I remember it was fading out of nausea. So yeah, I think it was like maybe 13, 14, 15 weeks. And I had a really bad cough. And I was telling Shantae this, every time I coughed, um, I would mm -hmm. leak urine. And I was like, what the heck? This has never been a problem. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I was talking with another, with Denise, our other coach. And I decided for a few weeks, I would really focus on breath work and mm -hmm. really focus on engaging core in my lifts. And I think I, I, I couldn't tell if it was because um, I was just newly pregnant or whatever. Anyways, after two weeks of doing this, uh, I, I, was, I was sneezing for a little bit and I noticed it stopped. Like I think whatever I had di I did, maybe possibly recovered me, but I want to know from you, like, do you think that, is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's totally possible. I mean, when it comes to the pelvic floor, strength may not be the issue. And I know that like, mm -hmm. there's all this drive for the Kegel. We got to do our Kegel or pelvic floor mm -hmm. contractions. And that's really not the case, right? Like mm -hmm. when do we use max volitional contractions of our pelvic floor? maybe for a sneeze, right? But it's pretty rare, right? Like when we're running, we're not like Kegel, Kegel, Kegel when I run. And so the pelvic floor has to be able to respond to the pressures from the abdomen or from what's coming up from the ground. And so in your case, Alyssa, just by breathing, right, and focusing mm -hmm. on your core, you're going to help to re-coordinate it. You're going to work on the timing of your muscles. And so all of that is going to help you when you have that increased pressure, such as a cough or a sneeze, now your mm -hmm. pelvic floor is like, oh, okay, I got this. Like I know what I need to do. And so yes, doing those simple, the simple rehab like, exercises. So I, oh, that's I guess my question too is like I, I had taken because I was so nauseous, I took a few weeks off lift, like three weeks of no lifting. So is it so my I guess my real question is, can you lose strength in your pelvic floor that fast and then also gain it back that fast? Like is that possible that I had lost it in the three weeks and then kind of rehabbed it within the two weeks? Is that possible? <laughs> I, I, I doubt that you lost it a lot, right? Like again, okay. 
miss our core all the time. Anytime we go to move, anytime we go to lift, and I know your kiddo probably still wants to be lifted, even though Mm -hmm. you're pregnant, right? And you're still lifting. Mm -hmm. So every time you go to lift her, right, our core is going to fire, it's going to come on to stabilize us and support us. And so Yes, you know, maybe when we're really nauseous, especially in that first trimester, and we're resting more, um, that can definitely maybe change how our muscles are firing. But I, I don't hmm. think you're going to lose a ton of strength, especially if you didn't notice in general that like just walking around that you were leaking. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so more just like kind of getting them back online and going, yeah. this is how we need to respond with this change in my posture. And adjusting mm-hmm. that and making sure that the timing of them and the coordination of them is going to meet the pressure that you're putting on them with that cough or sneeze or with a okay. lift. Okay. So, that makes, so they just went offline for a little bit and then I just refocused back. <laughs> yeah. Especially during <laughs> pregnancy, right? We have to just kind of keep doing some type of core work, especially because our posture is changing like daily. And so really getting that awareness as to like where our pelvis is going, how our ribs going. And especially with like subsequent pregnancies after the first one, you know, it's like our body knows what posture it needs to get into. And I feel like it just kind of automatically just starts to fall into that pregnancy posture, like pretty quickly compared to our, our first pregnancy, which probably took a little longer. And so it's like, wait a second, like, I don't need to be in this posture. I need to like get my ribs stacked back over my pelvis and make sure that I'm breathing as best I can so that again, my core can fire optimally and stabilize when I need to do things or sneeze. Yes. Shanti, do you have any more questions before I ask our... No, no. I was actually going to say, um, just be mindful of our time. Let's transition into questions because we have some people in our audience, um, ask some questions. And so let's get into it. Okay. So question number one, I won't say their handle names just because I'm not sure if they want people to know. Um, but we have five questions. The first question is how do you advocate for a PT after a C-section? It is so hard. I will tell you that. And I talk to all of my patients. I'm like, you need to advocate for yourself. It's not going to be offered. I think that in when you're in the hospital after you have a cesarean, you need to be asking for it right then and there. If you had any um, like preeclampsia during pregnancy, you need to be asking for it while you're at the hospital because the physical therapist and the occupational therapist in the hospital, they can really help you with how you're going to get out of bed, right? And a cesarean is a major abdominal surgery, right? And so Mm -hmm. that ability to get out of bed and lift your baby and all those things without stressing your incision site is really, really important. And so a lot of times it is unfortunately kind of poo-pooed at the hospital and they're just like, oh, they'll come or maybe they'll come. And it's just unfortunately ignored. But You have to keep pushing for it. And if you don't get it while you're at the hospital, you can send a message to your OB when you get home and ask for that referral. And if not, the thing that is nice is that physical therapy does have direct access. So you don't have to go through insurance to go and see a pelvic floor Mm -hmm. therapist. You can look Mm -hmm. in your community and you can just show up. You can call and make an appointment. You don't need a referral. 
you may in California, there is a limit. So you will need a referral at some point, but you can go and see someone yourself. And I highly recommend it no matter what form of delivery you had, just to check in and make sure everything's up and firing like how it's supposed to. But if you're if your doctor is not willing to put the order in, then you just take your, mm. it in your own hands and go see a pelvic floor therapist. Okay, good. To, oh, by the way, you don't do online clients. Does it have to be in-person yeah. in Sacramento? Yeah, in-person. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it makes Bye. sense. <laughs> I wasn't sure if like that could be a thing. Okay. Um, it is a thing, but that's, it, we don't need that. Is it? Okay, I wasn't sure. I was like, mm, yeah. that, that would be difficult. Okay. It is difficult. <laughs> So we have another one, pelvic floor as it relates to constipation. Any info on that? How to figure out if it's my issue? So again, I would go see a pelvic floor therapist because they're going to go through um, what your bowel regimen is, what your um, nutrition intake is, your fluid intake, your exercise, when you're having those symptoms. Because again, it, it could be pelvic floor really. It could be just like the mechanics. It could be your positioning. And so they can kind of go through and check those boxes off. And then if it's none of those things, mm -hmm. then that's when you could go see like a colorectal doctor or a gastroenterologist. Mm -hmm. but this, this, this is actually my client. Um, and we, yeah, so we, um, I know everything about her lifestyle and her nutrition and her training and her sleep and stress and all of that stuff. And she is like, she is on top of everything. And so constipation is definitely something that she has been struggling with for a long time. And we've been trying so many different things, nutrition wise and lifestyle wise. Um, and when it comes to stress management and sleep, um, those things she has nailed down and then nutrition, obviously like, it's just, it's really good. And we have been playing with different kinds of fiber, um, magnesium, different kinds of supplements, uh, and it's still, happening. And so she has brought up pelvic floor therapists uh, because she mentioned um, that she heard that it, constipation could happen because uh, as a result of having a tight pelvic floor. And I just wasn't sure. So I said, you know, it'd be really great if you saw a pelvic floor mm -hmm. therapist to yeah. make that assessment, because I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Um, but just from like hearing that, or have you had any patients yourself that have struggled with constipation in that yeah. case? Definitely. So if you look at the pelvic floor, there are definitely muscles around the rectum that can contribute mm -hmm. to difficulty with constipation. I don't know if she's had children before. She hasn't. No. Um, mm -mm. It is possible that, again, if she has a long history of constipation, it's possible there could be some extra movement of the rectum, which can make it even harder mm -hmm. to get stool out. It could be too tight around the anus. That could be an area that needs to be worked. It could also be another muscle mm -hmm. called the pubo rectalis that can be too tight. That one goes from the pubic bone, wraps around the rectum and comes back. That's where the squatty potty comes in. And so using mm -hmm. your squatty potty. Um, and getting those knees higher than your hips is really beneficial to try that. It could even be, um, again, if it's all just pelvic floor related, it could be more of like uh, a dysynergy that when they're trying to relax their pelvic floor, they're actually contracting their pelvic floor. And so mm. really working on pelvic floor relaxation and kind of that like lengthening and bulging of the pelvic floor can be helpful um, because again, if they're 
trying to relax and open and they're just contracting, it's just going to, again, make it harder for them to have that bowel movement. But it, that's where a pelvic floor therapist can come in and really assess sure. and see what's going on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's helpful. I'm yeah. sure that gave her a starting mm-hmm. point. But yeah, I guess, you know, homework number one is go see a pelvic floor therapist. Yeah. Right. right? To make it, that assessment. Yeah. We have three more questions. So just as a heads yeah. up. We should, we, we should have done an hour and a half. Like, I feel like you're right. I, when we were talking, you're like, trust me. Six months postpartum is all we can talk about because I yeah. I have so many other questions. Okay, anyways, uh, what's a good routine maintenance for pelvic floor health when you when do you need it? Oh, that's a big one, but can you summarize that in a shorter? <laughs> yeah, if you're not having any issues with your pelvic floor, right? You don't yeah. have leakage, you don't have pain with intercourse, yeah. you're not having constipation issues, then you're probably whatever you're doing is fine. The pelvic floor is going to be indirectly affected by whatever you're doing for strength training, right? Your squats are going to help, your deadlifts, all of that is going to help. If you're actually having issues with your pelvic floor, Then again, that's where going and seeing a pelvic floor therapist to really assess what's going on. But in general, doing your breathing, your relaxation, thinking about those deep core muscles, all of those types of exercises can help. But breathing is always like a good number one to to get started. Yes. Okay. Foundation. Is there anything different to be done for women with a pelvic tilt? So it really, it depends on which way it's tilting, right? Anterior. Again, and it, which muscles are, are pulling it in one way? I would say focus on your posture, right? Think mm-hmm. about ribs stacked over pelvis. And that's like a great place to start because then that's going to be your foundational movement so that whenever you're going to do a lift um, that you're going to think about where your ribs are in relation to that pelvis. Um, so I would say start there because um, again, I'm not quite sure what they mean by the tilt if it's which yeah. direction. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And that's I will say one of the biggest things I see with lifting, pressing. People are always over arch okay. like um, overarching their back. Last okay. question. Okay, do I need to see a pelvic floor specialist prior to pregnancy, or can I do prior to? to getting ready, I guess, which, which you talked about, right? Yeah, we talked like about you it. Say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good. Work with your coaches until you get pregnant. And then when you get pregnant, continue working with your coaches, but add a pelvic floor therapist into your team. Yay. Per- yeah. Right on the hour. We yeah, right on time. <laughs> right on time, girl. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let me remind everyone at doctor.maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E dot P-T, or her website, www.maddieirbypelvicfloorpt.com. That's where you can find her. Thank Thank you you for coming. This is great. We'll do it again. informative. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For sure. Have a good day. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.